0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit ChristchurchManchester.com. There was a young guy many years ago, um, in his mid teens, who got saved with no Bible knowledge, no understanding. In fact, Didn't really understand the gospel, just knew that God was there. So really, really basic, basic knowledge. And life was completely transformed. And after a little while, attending church, still with not a lot of knowledge, he heard that you could become a local preacher if you just asked in the Methodist church. And so literally at 17 years old, this young lad said, could I be a local preacher? They said, yeah, we'll train you. And so gave this young guy a slot to preach and a text to preach on. And day came, guy got up, preached, and it was awful. And um, in fact, it was so bad that... uh, They basically said, if we're going to give you another chance, (laughs) you're going to have to write your sermon out in full. We're going to have two of our best preachers look over it. And they're going to then help you rebuild it. And then they're going to probably let you do one point and they'll do the other two points. So at least there'll be some success. Okay. So this young lad... Said, yeah, okay, did that, and did okay. Not outstanding, but did okay. The other preacher did very well. Okay enough for them to say, okay, because you were kind of humble enough to learn, and, you know, have another go, even when it wasn't good, we will let you keep doing it, as long as you keep writing your sermons out, and you sit with these two preachers. Each time, so that happened year after year, and then this young guy went to Bible college at 21 years old, and uh, at the Bible college he had to do some trial sermons, and he did his sermon and basically did really, really well, and numbers of other students did a sermon and didn't do so well. The reason being that that young guy had had four years of training in his teens, getting a little better and a little better and a little better. So when he got to the Bible college, he was way, way ahead of some of the others that had never even preached for and then got some really plum preaching opportunities. There was another thing that young guy learnt as well was that as he sat in the lectures... From these eminent theologians, a little bored, because hadn't, you know, the retention span of a gnat basically, so just couldn't uh, really keep very focused, uh, not very well educated, realized this that he probably learned far more struggling to put sermons together than he did listening to all these lecturers. And have you ever done that? That Have you ever run a Bible, college, Bible um, study in a community group or been given something to do? You work really hard <laughs> to try and make it work, and you actually learn a lot. And so this morning I've been asked to speak on have a go culture. That's one of the things that we have as one of our main cultures. We have different cultures that we kind of... Have for CCM, and that uh, culture of having a go is really one of our top things. And actually, part of it came from the experience of that young guy in his teens. That actually, the ability to first of all put your hand up to say, I'd like to do it, but the other thing is the opportunity <laughs> that a group of ch- church leaders gave a young guy with so little experience and understanding to actually succeed. And those two things are really, really important. Putting your hand up to say, I'll have a go. But an environment that picks you up when you don't do so well (laughs) at the very beginning. And so I want to just look at uh, how Jesus... um, helped a number of people to have a go. And I'm going to do it from Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. And uh, I'm not going to read it because I'm going to go through it verse by verse. So in a sense I'll be reading it, but uh, opening up as as we talk. So basically it says this in uh, Luke 10 verse 1. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples... First of all, I just want to stop there. The Lord chose 72, or some of your translations will have 70, other. Other. Who are these 70, 72? They're totally unnamed. A few months earlier, Jesus had got 12 disciples that the actual Bible names. So he chose 12, they're named. And he gave them the same instructions as he's going to give these other people. And I realised that as you start looking at this chapter, the others are really important. Because I think the others are more representative of who we are. You know, many of us would not think we're like Peter, James, John, (laughs) the kind of apostles that... Jesus called the ones that a lot of them wrote the New Testament and uh, were the leaders at the start of the church. But here, Jesus is choosing 72 people who are called the Others. And uh, at CCM, we have hundreds of people. (laughs) Hundreds of Others. (laughs) And... uh, I want to just look at some of the things that Jesus set in place so that these others, (laughs) these normal people, unnamed, actually succeeded in a task that Jesus had also given the 12 apostles. So they were going to do exactly what the 12 founding leaders of the church were going to do. And uh, my encouragement is that God wants us to step out and have a go. Wants us to be like these others. Knowing that actually we can all succeed if we put some things in place and Jesus has called us. So let's just kind of work through this. It says, The Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Notice this that Jesus was going to go to the places that these disciples were going to first. And it's a bit like those two local preachers. I was sent to do something, I had some instructions, but they came along. They came along, Jesus is going to come along to the places that these guys were going to go. And uh, he said to them, now go in twos. And uh, sometimes when we get tasked to do or asked to do something or volunteer for something, sometimes we kind of feel very on our own, quite lonely. I remember the first church. I planted, or second church I planted. I felt very lonely. I felt like I was kind of, you know, well, I had my wife, but kind of was no team around me, and and it was really, really difficult. And I learned a lesson that if I was gonna do it again, I needed to do it with people. I needed to not just be on our own. And Jesus, from get go, in his own ministry didn't do things on his own. If you know the story, once once he started his ministry, the first thing he did is he went to a lake, or the Sea of Galilee, and found some fishermen. And they said, come on, will you come and join me? (laughs) Give up your day job and come and join me so that we can do this together. I'm going to train you, I'm going to be with you. But he knew the value of doing things together and so just first thing to say is this when we have a go even if it's have a go at preaching or something that looks a bit individual do you know find someone else who'll help you do it I remember when I was um, planting my first church in Manchester I was in uh, the uh, the office, we had a a Kingsburn Hall where we do our baptisms, we we were meeting there and an insurance man came, Christian guy, and uh, he was sorting out our church insurance and I I was halfway through a sermon, I said, have you got a bit of time? I knew he was a, a Christian, he said, yeah. I said, will you help me write my sermon? He looked at me a bit gone out, he said, I'm here to sort your insurance out. I said, yeah, but I'm stuck. In, uh, and I'm an external processor. I need to talk. Will you sit and talk? And I, so we talked for 15 minutes. He really did help me. And I said, I'll give you a credit on the Sunday morning, just so that everybody knows. In fact, I'm giving him so many credits, I'm giving him another one now. You know. And, uh, but what I'm trying to say is, doing something with someone else is so much better. Even when it's a task, if you understand, that you personally are going to do, to actually have people with you. And um, that is true for everything uh, that we we do. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when we talk about have a go, let's have a go with friends. (laughs) Let's have a go with support. Let's have a go with cheerleaders. And uh, this uh, uh, month of prayer, I, uh, I... literally went up into the centre of town just praying about doing it. I was on my own, literally. And then uh, God led me to actually eventually the Methodist minister at Methodist Central Hall, who basically said, Colin, you can have the building, these rooms all month. Don't even think about paying. He also said, we will be there. We want to be with you. I mean, it was so remarkable. And then Andy Hawthorne said, Colin, I want to be with you. Whatever you need, I will give you. the leaflets and there's a lot of other stuff. They've just paid for, got production done. Do you know? Suddenly, when you start doing something, then you've got people who are with you. So much different to just being on your own. Sometimes it's you put your hand up, so that is the lone bit. But gathering people around you, teams, is so important. And Jesus said this to them He said uh, in verse two, These were his instructions. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. There's not that many people to help you. I've been saying there's probably only about 80,000 Christians in Manchester. When there's two and a half million people, that is not many. (laughs) Okay? Sounds a lot until you actually think about the masses that don't go to church. And uh, Jesus knew that actually having a go, getting involved in extending the kingdom, needed needed lots of people to partner together, to work together. So he said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are for you, or the harvest is great, the workers are for you. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his harvest field that is my prayer all the time honestly because every time we think of starting a new site or doing something new I was in the north northern quarter and in north Manchester last week praying for God to start a church with us in the northern quarter and two sites in the north of Manchester one of the hardest areas to reach in I was with my friend Simon who runs a church in Harper Hay in fact he texted me this morning having a coffee, just dreaming about some more science. He said, Colin, Colin, you must get CCM in the north because the way you do it is what we need here. I'm praying, God, give us workers. Give us workers. Give us teams. But you know what's going to happen is maybe one or two from Reddish or one or two from Ladyborn are part of the workers. I remember when we started Reddish, Luke, who's worship leading James who's anchoring here, numbers of others said, we will do reddish. You know what? Someone said to me, are you worried about what's going to happen in reddish? And I said, no, I'm more worried about Lady Bond because they're losing all their good people, <laughs> to actually. So you know what? We were praying for the Lord of the Harvest to send workers. Luke was the main musician there. I think we have now four bands. You know what happens is, When people go, God gives workers when you pray. And the people that are left behind (laughs) to keep ploughing on, God blesses them as well and God brings workers in both directions. So these are keys. When we have a go, God said he will provide. (laughs) God said he will give us people, communities. Third thing is, quickly going through this, there's an urgency. So I said this. Now go and remember I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. There's an urgency to what Jesus is saying. You see, he, at the start of his ministry, said to his 12 apostles... I want to go to every village in Israel, because they wanted him to stay in Capernaum. He'd just healed his, the sick, he'd healed um, Peter's mother-in-law. Crowds were coming in, literally crowds. It was like a renewal that happening. And Peter said, "Jesus, we must stay here." And he said, "No, Peter, we must go to other villages because that's why I've come." His mandate was to go to every village, every town, every community in Israel to give them the good news of the gospel. His death was coming quickly. He knew that. He needed to get there. So he kept choosing people, the 12 and then the 70, to go. And he said, look, it's urgent. Get into twos and go. And basically don't stop with a lot of greetings to people. And in that society, in Eastern society, actually you could spend hours greeting one another. You could spend hours talking. And um, and he said, look, it wasn't like he wanted them to be ignorant. <laughs> but what he was saying to them is, there's an urgency to the kingdom coming to Israel. Do you know there's an urgency to us reaching Greater Manchester. There's an urgency. So he said, don't, don't take a lot of equipment. Don't do what I do and get an easy jet and then get 22 kilograms. <laughs> you know, you, you buy an extra. Do you know what I'm saying? You, know, you either go on with your little bag or you pay the earth and you can take your rocks, your carry, you know, your thing. He said, no. Get on the plane without too much stuff that's going to clutter you up. Get going. Don't take an extra pair of sandals. Don't take this. Don't take that. Just go. Don't spend all your time saying hello to people. Get to the next village. And by the way, it's not going to be easy. I'm sending you like a lamb to wolves. And um, I'm not sure I would want to have heard that. I would want to have heard something a little bit more encouraging. It will be great. You'll you'll do okay. (laughs) They'll look after you. No, he said. There's going to be some hardship on the way. He was already getting attacked himself verbally by people. He's saying you're going to have. The same. To reach this city, to reach the nations of the world, has never been easy. One of the um, guys that... It was one of my heroes, a guy called Jim Elliott, who went to a a lost Indian tribe in in South America and basically, in the end, got murdered with a group of missionaries. I think uh, the the truth is that when that got known around the world, more missionaries volunteered than ever before. Sometimes when things are hard, it's not like it stops people. It does the other. It kind of feels like we're going to do it. We're going to get involved. And Jesus was basically saying, understand this, it is going to be difficult. I've been a minister for 45 years now, planted umpteen churches, involved in numbers of things. I can honestly say it isn't easy, and breakthrough is often costly. It's costly emotionally, it's costly on, on lots of things, on, on families, on finance, so many things. And Jesus was warning them. You know, you've got to pay the cost. You've got to count the cost. But it wasn't like to stop them. It was the opposite. It was to prepare them. And I think this, when things get difficult, you dig in. I think some of my main growth areas in terms of maturity happen when it's a difficulty that you're facing. When you're having to dig in, find God. Find God to help you in the move. So... That's basically Jesus saying, let's go, go quickly. It's an urgency to this. And by the way, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some difficulties on the way. And then just a couple of things, and then we'll bring this to a conclusion. It says in verse 5, Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. It's interesting. I I, I've actually done. I'm doing more kind of digging in to this whole thing of peace. You see, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, "My peace I give to you." Jesus is a gift of peace, and uh, peace is something that's so so lacking in our world, not only because of wars and rumours of wars, but it, it, inner peace. I was listening to one of my friends do a little study on Friday morning at this minister's meeting and they've had so many things go difficult with their church and trying to find buildings, just, just a catalogue. <coughs> and he was doing some reflections and His big reflection was this, that when Jesus said, I give you my peace, actually there's an inner peace that can help you in the storm of life, in the disappointments, in the difficulty, in the trauma, in the things going wrong, that actually you can have an inner peace that actually transcends the stuff that's going around you, and I was listening to that, and I was thinking, I wish I'd heard this a week before I prepared this, <laughs> because I was just thinking, Jesus is saying, the thing you can bring first of all is bring peace to a household. So you know, we're the bringers of peace, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we are His ambassadors. And in the end, he died on the cross, Paul says in Romans, that we could have peace with God. That The, the ultimate, ultimate kind of antithomia to peace, which is us standing against the creator of the universe because of our sin. Jesus dying that we can have peace with almighty God. There is nothing better than being at peace with God. (laughs) My peace I give you, Jesus says. My peace, it's a gift. You can't work it up, you can't manufacture it, it's a gift from God. I just want you to receive the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Give them my peace. And then he says, if they feed you and they want you, then eat what's put in front of you. Uh, he was really saying, don't be an over-fussy eater. Now, some of us are fussy eaters because we have to be, <laughs> because of health. Some of us are, you know, I was in a country and they gave me snails. It was, you know, you just have to eat them in the end. Fortunately, they were full of garlic. So it was like a chewy garlic. All I'm trying to say is, sometimes we have to go with the flow. And Jesus said, look, whenever you're with different people, then you, you know, eat what's put in front of you. Anyway, I just hold my thing there. Um, And then... Don't ex- in, in verse um, seven. Don't hesitate to ex- to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. <laughs> it's interesting that he said, "Don't take anything with you," and his belief is this: that those who receive you will help you, and will look after you, and and don't don't deny that. Allow them to do it. Plenty of other things in this passage. I'm going to just bring it to a close because of of time but I'm just trying to say there's some practical things to have in a go <laughs> all right got to put your hand up get people with you make sure make sure there's a bit of urgency don't wait till next year to put your hand up let's put your hand up today northern Manchester here we go you know lots of things just saying it um some of you are laughing um but then, just a couple of, just to finish off, just gonna go to verse 17. You see, after these 70 other people had a go, what happened? It says, when the 70 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us. I mean, they were shocked because <laughs> they'd seen Jesus cast out demons heal the sick, do remarkable things. He'd told them to do it. And I guess they thought, well, we'll have a go. And sometimes you have a go, wondering would it happen? Wondering will it work? Wondering will I be okay? <laughs> so it's this, this, even, even, it's like even, Jesus, even. the demons. You know what? There is no greater joy than doing something that God wants you to do, and you're surviving. <laughs> no, that's the first thing. Some of you are smiling because that's what it feels like. But actually, people are saying "Well done," and because you've actually done something. Do you understand? There's something about these disciples coming back. And full of joy. Because actually they'd stepped out in faith. They'd had a go. They'd been lambs to the wolves. Some people would have rejected them. Some people would have told them to get lost and go. Some villagers even would have said, you're not coming here. But others, when they prayed for them, when they spoke to them, Even demons (laughs) responded to the name of Jesus. What a great thing. And Jesus said this. He said, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can even walk on snakes and scorpions and crush them. My wife wouldn't like that. Nothing will injure you doesn't like snakes nor do I to be fair but what he was really saying is this nothing will be impossible for you guys but he told them after the event not before the event he was basically saying this you've seen a little bit now you'll see more and Jesus was happy Jesus was happy. Jesus was glad. I want to make Jesus glad. Thanks for listening. Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links. In this episode, from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in learning more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.